Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading, exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Carl Guardino, Vice President of Government Affairs and Policy at Toronto Wireless. We discuss several of the communities where Toronto's next-generation fixed wireless platform, G1, is helping close the digital divide in partnership with local ISPs. We also discuss the federal government's BEAD program, including where Toronto sees opportunities for fixed wireless over fiber and more. Carl, welcome to the podcast. So nice to see you. How's it going? Nicole, it's great to see you, and it's going really well. Toronto Wireless is such an inspiring place to work. I bet it is. It's such an exciting company. We've had a lot of news from you guys this year. Um, so let's actually start there. Um, a couple of this year's developments, um, just recent in recent months, I reported on uh, you all had a $50 million uh, funding round in September. And then in October, you all launched G1 for six gigahertz spectrum. Um, and here we are chatting at the end of November. Um, so tell me a bit about all those developments and where this is taking the company in the upcoming year. It's amazing. The $50 million round was just a reminder how important bridging the digital divide is globally as well as here in the United States and how excited investors who are putting their wallets where their words are, are about the technological breakthroughs that our 26 PhDs, 250 engineers, over 14 years and $400 million in privately funded research and development feel about what we are able to help accomplish. Yeah, it's um it, you you mentioned I love that you rattled those numbers off off the top of your head. Do you have other numbers off the top of your head like how many communities you're deployed in, for example? What's so exciting about Toronto? So we are in the middle of our 10th quarter, only less than two and a half years after 12 years of privately funded research and development where we have actually had our markets, our products on the markets to sell. And in just those nine and a half quarters, we are now partnering with nearly 300 internet service provider partners, customers, helping families and communities in 21 countries, 45 of the 50 states, 1,500 to 2,000 new subscribers every single week, and nearly a 98% conversion rate, Nicole. In other words, nearly 98% of the ISPs who try Toronto Technologies buy Toronto Technologies. And that is just an amazing testament to what they know is the value add for serving usually underserved and unserved families around the world and across our country. Yeah. So I want to talk about a couple of the communities where you guys have deployed this year. But I'm wondering, you know, from all of those deployments, all of those partnerships, do you see a sweet spot at this point for Toronto when it comes to closing the digital divide in terms of what communities, what types of underserved or unserved areas your technology works best? Thank you. And it's such an important question, too. Uh, and I'll put it in this context. I worked my way through college 
hanging drywall. I, I was in construction working full time and carrying full loads in college to work my way through. And something I just learned early on, you pick the right tool out of your tool belt for the task in front of you. And it's similar to uh, home broadband solutions. There are some places in incredibly remote America and the world where low earth orbit satellites are going to be not only a good solution, but often the only solution. The challenge is usually really um, uh, real challenges on latency or the satellite being in range to be 24 seven uh, and the speeds can be an issue, which why of course uh, in the, the bead NOFO, it is not considered a reliable service, but it could be the only service for some folks uh, mm -hmm. around the world and around our country. It, it's about 1%, but that's where we're not going to add value because there's not going to be a vertical asset, a cell tower, water tower, grain tower, top of a building where we can have fiber run to that spot. And then there's parts in very dense urban America where unless it's a stranded street situation, and there's a lot of those, where you probably can do fiber to the home fairly cost effectively and at least fairly time efficiently. And if you can fiber those homes, it is a gold standard, do it. So for Toronto Wireless, where we can add value, it tends to be rural, suburban, and then stranded streets in urban areas. And that on the, on the spectrum, that's where we can add incredible value, not only with very high speeds and very low latency, but when we can deliver those high speeds for 10 to 20x less the cost in, in weeks and months rather than years and years, then that's incredible what we can do for families across the country. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of the communities where mm -hmm. clearly the communities themselves and Tirana decided this was the right fit for, for your technology and for fixed wireless. Um, most recently, you all announced Polk County, Oregon. Um, and I think a few months back, you announced Wise County, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a bit about those deployments. Um, it, any information you can share about locations reached, your ISP partners and why those regions in particular? Nicole, thank you. And I think it's important to mention in a country, in a globe, but in a country that is so often divided, uh, Toronto can be what helps us be united. Because you just asked about a deployment in a red state, a deployment in a blue state. And if we have time, I'm going to throw in a third for free. Please do. <laughs> there you go. So you mentioned Blue State. In Oregon, we're partnering with a great internet service provider called Alerica in a very rural section of Oregon in Polk County. And not only are we able to help as many as 750 families and small businesses to finally have high speed, low latency, affordable, reliable home broadband, but the speeds with strands of trees forested land, hills, buildings, etc. speeds in non-line of sight of 625 megabits per second download. Yeah. 
That is six times the Federal Communications Commission's standards for what they consider high-speed reliable broadband of 100 download, 20 upload. And mm-hmm. we're able to not only do that, but we're able to do it at an incredibly low price point. In fact, in that case, 625 megabits per, per second, below $100 a month. And if, of course, if it's a family that qualifies for the affordable uh, connectivity program, then that's $30 a month off of that as well. Right. And you're not, and that's at that speed, right? Not at some yes. lower package or. And they could do a lower speed. package probably for a much lower price. Sure. As they work that out with the internet service provider. Uh, Again, 100 by 20 is that standard that was set in the bipartisan infrastructure law. In my home state of California, that's in our state law as well. And we are performing it six times that speed. Indeed. Um, And did you want to comment on the Wise County uh, deployment as well? Let's go from blue state to red state. Yeah, let's do it. In in Wise County, Texas. And wouldn't you like to live in a county called Wise? But uh, the goal is to make sure that as many as 95% of the 65,000 or so families in Wise County, Texas, over, it's like 575 square miles, have access to affordable, reliable, high-speed home broadband. This partner is with a great ISP called NextLink. They're in multiple states. They do wonderful work. And we rolled this out just a few months ago. And they're in the first month, in the first month, Nicole, more than 1,000 families became subscribers. And that's because they were getting speeds of, in this case, more than 500 megabits per second. Right. So that, um, yeah, that was sorry. that was blue state, red state. I'm going yeah. to throw out another one for free because people often think rural, where we are a great solution technologically, as as Tirana has been uh, been obviously performing. Uh, but we were approached not too long ago by a nonprofit in Cleveland, Ohio. And if you know Cleveland, it's not only one of the largest cities in the United States, it is actually called the Forest City, heavy tree canopy over most of Cleveland, Ohio. And Digital C, which is a nonprofit internet service provider, came to Tirana. They were, this was David versus the Goliaths, not not the connotation of that biblical story that. Uh, only David could be good and the Goliaths were evil just by size because they were up against AT&T, Verizon, Charter, Spectrum, uh, T-Mobile. They were up against very, very significant players in the telecommunications space. And city staff, I'm told, even told them, this is probably going to be pretty rocky for a small nonprofit to win this bid. Well, they bid Toronto and they put up some pilots and they were able to show hundreds of megabits per second non-line of sight with the tree canopy that they have to face in that beautiful city of Cleveland. And they beat out all those multinational 
established incumbents as a relatively small nonprofit. So over the next four years, we are going to be delivering with Digital C uh, high-speed home broadband to 23,500 locations, mainly families, in dense urban Cleveland. That is very exciting. Um, I know of Digital C. They're a great organization. So I'm excited to hear about this partnership. Is this has this been announced yet, or is this a new partnership? I, I hadn't heard about this before. You just said it here. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty new partnership. It has been announced. Okay. I'm looking forward to going out to Cleveland in the new year. Joshua Edmonds, their visionary CEO, and and Jose and the rest of the team, uh, just to continue to meet with stakeholders, community leaders, to make sure we hit the ground running, not only on 23,500 subscribers within the four years, but uh, but working on digital equity with at least 50,000 folks over that time as well. So we have a great opportunity to do well and do good at the same time with partners like Digital C. Yeah. Um, so I, that kind of leads me to the bead program, if we can jump to that, because, you know, what you said about how uh, Tirana being on Digital C's application uh, helped them, you know, kind of get that that grant. Right. Is, is that mm -hmm. how they got this project? Yes. Um, and it's making me think about how you know, fixed wireless isn't a, a huge focus for the bead program. Obviously, fiber is the, the focus, but in the areas where fixed wireless uh, may be the better choice or may, may be a competitive choice to fiber, it's sounding to me like having Tirana as a partner on their applications might benefit a lot of these fixed wireless companies that might be going up for bead grants. So keep that in your mind as I ask the second part of this question, which is, um, how are you feeling about the BEAD program these days? I know there's been a lot of concern in the fixed wireless industry about um, how BEAD treats fixed wireless and unlicensed spectrum, but I also know there was an update last week in terms of how BEAD is looking at spectrum. So maybe you can speak to all of that if I just Stay quiet for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, very well asked in a multi-part question. <laughs> Let me back up just a little bit with three core messages that frame the answer to the question. Sure. One, technology advances, and it has. And it breaks my heart that Toronto Wireless wasn't two years ahead of itself in that 12-year R&D process before our hardware, software, and Toronto uh, cloud suite were commercially available because honestly, I think that bead nofo would have been written a lot different. When Alan Davidson, the head of the NTIA, um, Assistant Secretary of Commerce, came out at his request to Silicon Valley to Stanford on uh, August, no, forgive me, on July 24th, because he wanted to experience Toronto technology, he and mm -hmm. his chief of staff, and non-line of sight several miles away, 485 megabits per second download, I think it was over 100 upload, he was blown away. That's what people experience when we take them out to a tower, speak with internet service provider partners, speak with real families whose lives have literally been changed by being on the right side of the bridge on the digital divide, thanks to Toronto and some great ISPs. If Again, if we had been around a year or two before and been shown to be a proven technology, I truly believe the bead nofo would have been different because technology advances. Always has, 
always will. It happens to be Tirana. Others will come into this space. We're a few years ahead, uh, but they're going to come in, and that's good because competition is good. We'll just be further down the road, as we proved with something you said earlier about our announcement of going from a product with 800 megabits per second, however an ISP and their customer want to slice and dice that between download and upload, now announcing 1.6 and already shipping with the capability now of a gigabit per second download, 500 megabits per second upload. You would ask that earlier. I wanted to get back to it. That's technology advances in the frame of speed. Uh, second, finances are finite. Everyone looks correctly that the bipartisan infrastructure law for the BEAT program aspect, $42.45 billion, which is fantastic for the 50 states and five U.S. territories in the District of Columbia. But most people readily acknowledge that's between 2x and 10x short of the money we'd actually need all in, even with the private sector match, to live up to the law which NTIA and everyone else is fully committed to, of 100% of American families, unserved and underserved. Remember what the law says. It's called internet for all. It's not called internet for some. That's what we've been living, and we've got to change that, especially when most of the some who would be left on the wrong side are often people of color, people of limited finances, and often in our most rural communities. We can do better than that. So that's finances are finite as it relates to BEAD. So we have to leverage limited dollars. And with next generation fixed wireless access, we're able to do that. The third, is that timely deployments matter. Nicole, I've got a, I've got a first grader, a seven-year-old, Jacob. Jake, to his friends. We foster adopted him at three months old. He's the ninth child of a homeless woman somewhere here in Silicon Valley, all nine in the foster care system. And I look at him because we live in a rural community. If the money didn't run out before it got to our home, it could be seven to 10 years before that fiber deployment could ever get to our home. He'd be in eighth to 10th grade. We would have lost another family by the slowness of the deployment. So what Toronto Wireless helps to do as a tool in the toolkit with advanced technology is deployments with very high speeds and low latency. You're not sacrificing anything. It's, it's equivalent speeds that we get from great fiber deployments in partnership with fiber to our, to our vertical asset, but then fixed wireless for those last several miles in a 10th to a 20th of the time to deploy. So bead, um, we're going to do a lot of good with BEAT as a country as the NTIA continues to allow states to prioritize fiber with the knowledge and flexibility to get the job done, which is every American family. You can prioritize unserved, but you're still supposed to do every American family. I've now read, um, Nicole, 22 five-year beat action plans, 22 states, five-year plans. And there's only a couple of states who seem to be thinking, well, 
we'll do our unserved or most of our unserved and we'll call it a day. It's going to be interesting to see how NTIA responds to that. I hope they don't respond well, because that means a portion of the unserved and all of their underserved are going to miss out on what everyone calls a once in a lifetime funding opportunity. Right. Okay. Did I answer your questions on B? Somehow you you did. I think you somehow <laughs> retained most of what I said and answered my questions. Um, I guess yeah. I guess the little thing that we didn't quite get to there was the change that was issued last week. For Tech code seventy one and seventy two. And- <laughs> Yes, as everyone knows them, go on. (laughs) (laughs) So we had been in communications uh, with the folks at NTIA, and I've got to tell you, they're so responsive. Um, It is deeply appreciated, the culture that Alan Davidson and his team have built there. Um, And uh, I won't call it the people with whom we reached out, just out of respect for them. But we had reached out in July of, are you going to clarify Um, because we're hearing from states a concern about what is eligible, what is BEAT eligible as reliable with fixed wireless and what may not be. And some states are erring on the side of caution of, well, we better not allow that then. And we're hearing from some internet service provider partners who are saying, we want to bid Tirana, but this is not clarified. So they let us know way back in August, we're going to put out a new FAQ. Can't tell you exactly when because we're working on it and we're going to be able to resolve this. And they resolved it in such a way that it meets the spirit and the letter of the law, that it is reliable. And they clarified um, that both GAA and PALS, sorry to speak geek, uh, are, are allowed as reliable technology um, and they and they clarified tech code 71 and 72. Okay, so we're happy about this. Yes. Well, we're happy that we're going to be able to serve more American families <laughs> with um, more affordable and uh, very reliable high speed, low latency home broadband because uh-huh. it, yeah. it had cast doubt on it um, yeah. because of something that um, the good folks at the FCC had put out at the beginning of this year, uh, mm-hmm. but needed clarification by the NTIA. Got it. Um, I appreciate that clarification uh, here from a policy guy. And we will end uh, this conversation with the FCC and with policy. Um, the FCC recently said it's reconsidering national broadband stand, uh, speeds. It's opened up a proceeding on that. So I wanted to get your perspective on that. And are, are there any other, you know, of course, there are other huge policy things going on, but what else is top of mind for Toronto in the broadband policy space going into 2024? Yeah, so for for folks listening to the podcast, Nicole, as most probably know, but we shouldn't be presumptuous, the current standard set by our Federal Communications Commission is 25-3. 25 download, you're downloading your email and Netflix, et cetera, and three upload, we're uploading this Zoom call, uh, et cetera. Um, And the bipartisan infrastructure law standard was 100 by 20. But the FCC hadn't adopted that as the uh, their formal standard. So the fact that they want to do that now makes it not only consistent, but what I call future proof, because 
as our needs for our homes and our businesses grow, being able to grow the speeds is appropriate. It's easy for us to say that, one, because it's the right thing, and two, we beat that all day long on Sunday with, again, 800 megabits per second in our current product and already shipping uh, 1.6. And with a roadmap over the next two and a half to three years to double that again to 3.2. Yes, you heard that right with fixed wireless, non-line of sight. I I would also mention about Toronto's technologies, because we always hear last mile, the euphemism of last mile. Mm -hmm. Direct line of sight, Toronto Wireless, 18 to 22 miles. Near line of sight, 10 to 12 miles. Non-line of sight. Think your favorite 5K turkey trot in New York, and we are going three to five miles non-line of sight with that type of speed and low latency and reliability. So we say to the FCC, yes, plan for America's future and the future needs of American families and businesses, and we're going to be your partner. Sounds good. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for all of your time, Carl. I really enjoyed talking with you. Nicole, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you again, Carl, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.